0: turn if you will to psalm 51 it's fantastic fantastic we're going to do some work there and then we're going to do a little bit more work in psalm 126 and they're all on a page and we we're, we're going to get we we're going to we're going to get we're going to be able get to and be able to go into the private prayer closet of king david now, I don't know whether you've got a prayer closet. I've got one in the woods. I've got, a, I've got a, a path that the dog and I take a lot, and I go by myself a lot. And that's my prayer closet down in the woods. And, uh, and I, just like you, have been in fervent prayer uh, before God Almighty, I've cried my eyes out. Before God Almighty, I've rejoiced and praised Him in those woods, and uh, even in the car, uh, I, I try not to close my eyes too long. But especially coming up the Pennsylvania Turnpike, and uh, but I, I praise God uh, uh, many, many times. Uh, in the car. If I have a long uh, trip, like a six or seven hour trip for revival, I pray a lot and, uh, and I agonize and I, I, try to, I, I try to get in touch with my inner self and, uh, and, and try, to, try to expose uh, some of the things that I'm not doing right uh, before God and some of the things that I should be doing that I'm not doing right. And, uh, uh, and you've been there too. But now we're going to go into the private prayer closet of David. I don't know about you, but I don't want anybody in my closet with me. I, man, I'm telling you, I have done things that my wife doesn't know about. And that just bugs her to death, and I'm glad of it. All right. And, and there's, there's things that no human being in this earth knows that I did. But God knows what I did. And David has destroyed... Himself, in the long run, the kingdom, it, it's going to go on the skids from this day forth. And uh, he committed adultery with Bathsheba. And he wrecked her family and had her husband killed. He wrecked his family. And the guy's got six wives. Now, that might not mean much, but he's got six mother-in-laws. <laughs> now, you've got to think about that. And I had a wonderful mother-in-law baptized her into Christ. She's up in heaven waiting for me. So Peggy, I apologize to you. <clears throat> but, but listen, this guy, this guy is beyond contrite. I, I think some of the Bibles list this psalm as a contrite heart. And, and that's, a, that's a pretty good title for it. Uh, I, I call it a soul winner's joy because David gets out from underneath this thing. See, it's one thing to sin, but it's another thing to live in it. It, It's one thing to sin. It's another thing not to repent, not to change your mind, your will, and your emotions that changes your conduct. That's another thing to stay in the sin. And and yet it's quite a different thing to work yourself out of that sin and to ask God to forgive you and to feel the forgiveness, know the forgiveness, and to cleanse the cleansing blood of Jesus Christ. I'd like to uh, take you to 2 Samuel 12 so that we can lay a backdrop as to what is being said here. And uh, this is uh, the prophet. Be sure your sins will find you out. The prophet Nathan has got, uh, got, he's been dispatched by God. And he's got an inspired message and he's going to take it uh, to King David of all people. Uh, see, no one, no one on the final day, I don't care what your station in life is, I don't care if you're I don't, rich or poor, tall or short, uh, it doesn't really matter. Nationality, uh, the station in life, none of that's going to matter on the day of judgment. The kings are going to be judged the same way as Chambers is going to be judged. By the same God that Chambers is going to be judged. And that, and that really ought to strike some terror at, presently in our heart. But, but the Lord sent Nathan to David, and he came to him, and he said, There were two men in one city, one rich and the other poor. It's a parable. You can't believe the parables in the Old Testament. <clears throat> and the rich man had a great many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb, which he bought and nourished and it grew up together with him and his children and it would eat his bread and drink of his cup and lie in his bosom. He's a household pet. Household pet. I've got got a rescue dog. And if anybody would like that rescue dog, I'm only an hour and 30 minutes away. But we we love that dog. And if you have pets, you love your pets too. This guy has a lamb. And it's become a household pet. And that's what it's saying. And it grew up together, drank from his cup, ate from his hand. Now a traveler came to the rich man. He's unwilling to take from his own flock or his his own herd to prepare for the wayfarer who who had come to him. And rather he took the poor man's ewe lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. Then David's anger... Burned greatly against a man, and he said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, surely the man who has done this deserves to die. And he must take restitution, must make restitution for the lamb fourfold, because he did this thing and had no compassion. And then Nathan said to David, You are the man. Nathan, the prophet, is talking to the king of Israel and says, you to man, you to man. That's what he said. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, it is I who anointed you king over Israel and it is I who delivered you from the hand of Saul. God was so good to him and he disappointed God to a huge degree. He should have been in battle it was the spring of the year and it was, time to, it was time to be in battle and he should have been in battle but, but he, sends, he sends the army out and he lays back in the castle and, uh, and he meanders, I don't think accidentally and I don't think for the first time to the rooftop and he looks down over the rooftop and finds Bathsheba's dwelling and sees her bathing in the nude and he invites her the castle she comes, they engage in adultery and her husband comes back from the battlefield and uh, sleeps outside the door. She becomes pregnant. King David is distraught over that because he knows he's going to be found out. So he has her husband killed and remorse strikes his heart like nobody's business. And as we open up together, Psalm 51, we're going to read. We're going to read about the king, King David. And we're going to read about him in the prayer closet. And we're going to listen to his words very, very carefully. Dissect them and see how you and I can follow him in repentance. How you and I can follow him out of the darkness uh, where oftentimes we choose to dwell and we can find our way out of the darkness into the light. We can find ourselves... Yeah, we, can, we can climb out of the gloom, the gloom, the doom and the gloom, and we can uh, be refreshed in the blood of the Lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ. Be gracious to me. See, that's all that he can say. He's, he's, not, he's not making excuses because there isn't an excuse for sin. He said, be gracious to me. On the the final day of judgment, I'm kind of like Clarence Greenleaf. Do you remember Clarence? He was always saying, mercy, mercy, mercy. Uh, That's what I'm going to be saying on the final day. Whenever I come face to face, and down in Vanderbilt, Pennsylvania, when John Barche baptized me in December the 30th of 1973, I come up out of that water and I told John, I said, I'm going to see the face of Jesus. And he said, I've heard that many, many times, but I believe you really mean it. And I meant it then, and I mean it 48 48 years later, I still mean it. I'm going to see the face of Jesus, but I'm still going to plead for mercy, and I'm going to say, be gracious unto me. Because I haven't lived a perfect life, but he has. And I'm dependent on him. See, we don't save ourselves. We don't cause God to love us. He loves us in spite of ourselves. And nothing that we do makes him love us any more or any less. And we're not saved by the things that we do. Uh, We're saved by the blood of the lamb. Uh, there's 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 only one thing that saves us. That we are in Christ Jesus. Not by works of the law or not by works of any law are we saved. We're saved by the blood of Jesus. Be gracious to me, O God, according to thy loving kindness or thy mercy in the King James. According to the greatness of thy compassion. You realize you you you, you can't you can hardly read a passage in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke and John without seeing the compassion flowing out of the life of Jesus Christ. And so what's the difference between compassion and pity? Well, pity lays dead at your feet, but compassion drives you in to the problematic person so that you can help solve the problem. And Jesus was always driven into the heart of man. He was always driven in to the problem, and he wanted to, he wanted to help people to get them out of their troubled life. And so David says, the greatness of thy compassion. How great is that compassion? We wouldn't even want to venture. And so we're going, to read, we're going to read two groups of words, one group of three and the other group of three, one group of three sins, and one group of three ways to deal with the sin. We're going to deal with three words, three English words, from the Hebrew, that deal with sin. And then we're going to deal with three words that removes that sin. He says right here, blot out my transgression. Blot out my transgression. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. You know, sin just kind of eats us up. Did you notice that? Please say amen, so I don't feel so lonesome up here. <clears throat> I mean, it bothers it bothers me, and it bothers you, doesn't it? And even when nobody knows about it, we're still bothered by it. I'll just probably wreck that light before the night's up. <laughs> I mean, and 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 that I think that's God. He's he put into our conscience. You can't really rely on the conscience all the time unless it's fed with the Word of God. That's another sermon at another time. But 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 the conscience is weak and defiled and seared and evil and and and, and insolent and uh, and ignorant as a matter of fact. And uh, it, so we really can't. I don't care what Walt Disney said. Let your conscience be your God. Remember Jiminy Cricket, that little cricket running around the the the, TV, the, the movie theater. Uh, well, you can't always let your God. Conscience be your guide, but if it's filled with the Word of God, your conscience is going to eat you alive. When you sin, you're going to instantly know that you have sinned. You don't have to be reminded. Somebody to have pat, tap, pat you on the back and say, "You know that what you're doing is a sin." You, you knew that before they ever got there, and so do I. And so he says, "Blot out my transgression." He uses the word transgression there, uh, and and what that means is defection or rebellion, a deflection, a, def- a defection or rebellion, and, and that's, that's, you're rebellious to Almighty God, you rebe- David was rebellious to the marriage covenant, Re- rebellious to an employer, rebellious to your parents, rebellious to your children, if you will. And we could get into the details on that. And so that's what sin is, rebellion. And he said, blot that out. When he said, blot that out, here's the cure. Here's the cure for, for the rebellion. Blot, obliterate from my memory. Now, now we tell people, try to comfort them. When, they, when you get angry at a brother or sister in Christ or a neighbor or your employer, or your boss or, or a workman, we, we try to say, you need to forgive and forget. And, and I've heard that for the last 60, well, longer than that, probably 70 or 75 years. You know, you need to forgive and forget. And we're asking people to do at least one impossible thing. We can forgive For for forgiveness is absolutely possible and it's absolutely demanding. As a matter of fact, in in the model prayer, uh, the appendage on that prayer is if you don't forgive your brother, your heavenly father will not forgive you. So it's imperative that we forgive one another. Can't forget. We have not. Our brain is not geared. It's not programmed uh, to forget things. It might not be, but I do anyway. But, but, but if, if the brain, which mine isn't, if the brain is normal, which mine isn't, it, 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 it remembers things. And I cannot believe how many things I remember from my past. And how many bad things that I remember. Can somebody say amen so I don't feel lonesome? How many bad things I remember from my past. I've been at the Lord's Supper, not here, but I've been elsewhere, maybe back home at Lake Mount, and I'm in the middle of the Lord's Supper. I've got the loaf and cup in my hand, and and some thought will rush into my mind and wipe away any spiritual activity that was there. Some wicked, evil thought from the past will rush into my mind that's happened to me. I'm telling you right now, there isn't anybody that despises the devil any more than I do. I, I, I was so distraught one time because of my past haunting me that, that I took off my shoes. I worked for West Penn Power Company out in the woods. Took off my shoes and on the on the soles I I, I wrote Satan on on both soles, and I deliberately tramped into every mud puddle and every every, every wicked area that I could see in the woods. I mean I I rubbed those. Souls on stones and everything else. Just the the contempt of it all. Why do I have this kind of a memory? And then I'll remember good things, or remember somebody's name, can't do it. We do not have a holy forgetter. We've got a holy rememberer. And so he's remembering, he is remembering, and he's asking God because God has the ability to blot out from your memory my sins. If there's no one in this place, if there's no other person in this place that needs this message, is me. I stand by myself. I need that kind of a God that will blot out from his memory the things I have done in the past and the things that I have been cleansed in a watery grave of baptism, when the blood of Jesus Christ covered every single one of those sins, and I don't care how much I remember them, God will not remember them. Amen. That's the best news that you're going to get tonight. That's right. And King David is saying that. I just think that's absolutely wonderful. And then he says, as we go on, Blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Now, that word iniquity is a perversion of right. See, the right thing to do is to love your wife. The right thing to do is to not break the covenant with your wife that you had from your youth. In my case, we've been married in coming June 62 years. I mean, she's my target, she's my lamb. She's my ewe lamb who sits in my lap, eating from my hands and drinking from my cup. She's my ewe lamb. Your ewe lamb is not my ewe lamb. Your pet's not my pet. I don't have any, I don't have any jurisdiction over your mate. I don't have one, I don't have one iota of scripture to support the fact that I can look your wife over up and down sexually. That is absolutely not in the Bible. My lamb is Suzanne Chambers. And she's the one that sits in my lap. She's the one that eats from my hand. She's the one that drinks from my cup. And David didn't know that, even though he had six lambs, he still wants seven. That's Satan. Sin, you're never, ever filled with sin. There wasn't a bar in Connellsville, Pennsylvania that I didn't visit. Uh, We had a draft beer system, and your dad saw it in my basement. We drank 650 gallons of beer out of that draft beer system. All my neighbors would stop every single night on the way home. We, We drank that in nine months' time, and I saved the caps off the keg. I'm telling you, I stopped drinking when they invented funnels. I understand that that was an assault against God. I understand that I understand that whenever I, I bought those little miniature mugs for Diane and Suzette and Shannon, little miniature mugs on our supper table, I'm ashamed to say this, but it was a fact and I'm going to tell you this. Because God can save you from the uttermost. And he did that for me. And we filled those little mugs up with beer for our little kids. And I'm telling you, that is a sin against God Almighty. Hallelujah, I'm saved. Hallelujah, I've been redeemed. I've been brought out of that darkness, out of that dark pit of booze. And now I've got the precious Holy Spirit who is my guide. So so David is requesting um, to be washed thoroughly from his iniquity. And and I, we've already said that iniquity is the perversion of right, and this word wash. I had a brand new, I brought a stack of handkerchiefs, and I got the whitest one that I could and left it on the dresser. <laughs> and I wanted to use it, so I'm going to use this napkin, which will do. My mother was a fanatic. I'm not trying to embarrass these girls, I'm just gonna tell you the truth. She used to, I used to have holes in my jeans. I would to God that I'd save the jeans, I could make a fortune, selling them today. <laughs> <clears throat> and we were playing, now, now a lot of you won't even understand what I'm talking about. We played mumbly peg. Who, who understands what mumbly peg is? All right, the old guys do. With a jackknife out on the grass. Knees down in the grass, right? Chlorophyll all over your knees. And scooting around on your knees in the grass. And pretty soon you're rubbing holes. And then we'd shoot marbles. Did anybody ever shoot marbles in a the ring? There you are. There's a good old Pennsylvania guys. So we'd shoot marbles and play mummy peg and football and everything was on the ground. And I'd wear, I I, I would I, I would I, I, I would dirty up those blue jeans. They were pitiful. And mama had that the old ringer washer. You ladies remember that? And and the old scrub board. Remember the scrub board and the octagon soap? Has anybody ever been washed with octagon soap? See, you can only be washed with hot and soap one time because it rubs the skin right off your body. That's how strong it is. And so Mama would take my Levi's and she would go on that scrub board. And it it looked corrugated steel. Do you remember that? And and when they did, you could hear it a city block away. And then more more oxygen soap, dip it in the water. And pretty soon, there's holes in the knees of the Levi's, and she blamed me for it. (laughs) That's the mental picture of that Hebrew word. Wash me on a treadmill thoroughly. Scrub my soul. Scrub my soul until until there's holes in it from cleanliness. That's the Hebrew picture. That's how clean I am tonight. That's how clean you are tonight if you're under the blood of Jesus Christ. And then he said, Cleanse me from my sin. That's just missing the mark. Cleanse me, ceremonially cleanse me from missing the mark. David missed the mark. He had eight targets at home. He wants another target. My target is Suzanne Chambers. She's my bullseye. That's where I, I, this is where I devote. My loving attention to my wife. I love my wife. She's my best friend. If she was here, she would, she would echo back that I'm her best friend. And, and that's how it's been. Uh, I remember when the kids were growing up. And I remember I put on a, uh, I put on a, uh, a Hawaiian shirt to preach at Hillsborough. Brand new Hawaiian shirt to Suzanne bought. Suzanne, I thought I was Tom Selleck. And, and, yeah, bald-headed Tom Sully. And, 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 and we're coming out of the pop-up trailer. That's what we had. And, uh, and I think it was Diane said, Dad, you're not going to preach in that shirt. I said, you bet I'm going to in that shirt. I said, your mother bought me that shirt to preach in the Hillsborough. And that's what I'm going to do, preaching in this shirt. Right now, you come and hear me preach. Because you're going to be gone, and she'll still be here. You're going to leave home, and she'll still be here. And they've all left home. Now, they've come back, and they brought these little munchkins with them, so our family has grown. There's no, but, 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 but Suzanne is my target. Not Diane, not Suzette, not Shannon. Love them to death. There's no, I, no one's had any, any better kids than I've had, and grandkids as well. But I'm telling you right now, the target, my target is my lamb. My target is my wife. And David's target was his six wives, if you will. And then he says uh, in verse number four, against thee and thee only, I have sinned. See, when push comes to shove, and when the smoke clears and the lights are dimmed, we've sinned against God. Yeah, you can sin against your neighbor, but when you do so, you sin against God. And when you sin against a brother or sister in Christ, you sin against the Lord, Saul. Why are you persecuting me? Who art thou, Lord? When you persecute the church, you persecute Jesus. When you sin against the church, you sin against the Lord. And so, and so we we have him. I I, I know my transgressions ever before me, and against thee and thee only I have sinned and done what is evil in thy sight. So I am I am responsible to God. That's where my sin rests, in the mind of God. So that thou art justified when thou dost speak, and blameless when thou dost judge. Now, this next verse, I'm I'm going to translate this next verse uh, to the best that I can, because I've spent hours researching that verse, literally hours. And that next verse has given rise to Protestantism. And it has produced original sin and uh, infant baptism and the likes in the minds of many, many denominations. Total depravity has come from this verse, a total misunderstanding of it. Because we have to pour ourselves into Psalm 51, and we've got to pour ourselves into the heart of David, and we have to begin to sense, we have to begin to feel what he feels. And so he's going to, he's going to issue right now in verse number five, and hyperbole, a gross exaggeration to demonstrate to God from his heart how wicked he was when he lay. With Bathsheba. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity. And in sin, my mother conceived me. I wonder if anyone beside myself, and and when you're a jackleg like me, never been to Bible college day in your life, taught in a couple, but never was attended. I studied George Fall, corresponded with George Fall. When I can find out a truth like this, anybody can find out a truth like this. This word conceived in the Hebrew language, it appears about six times in the Old Testament only, and it, and, and, and it sounds something like Y-A-C-H-A-M, Yacham, that's how you say it, Yacham. And it means animal heat. Now, I'm just going to ask you a question, and then we're going to go on with the lesson. Do you ever knew, have you ever known a mother? Do you really think that David's mother was in animal heat when she conceived him? See, you, 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 you could be as sharp as a marble, and, and, and you'd know that no woman ever was in animal heat. He's exaggerating in Psalm 51 so that he can get attention to himself. So that he can reveal himself to the living God with whom he has sinned against. I'm just going to leave that in your lap. Go check it out. I have. I've studied it. And so he's distraught to say. The very least. Behold, thou dost desire truth in the innermost being, and in the hidden part, thou wilt make me know wisdom. Purify me with hyssop and 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 I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. We got several songs that reflect that. Make me to hear, here we are, the joy of my salvation. Make me to hear joy and gladness. Let the bones which thou hast broken rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins. Blot out my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from thy presence. Do not take the Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of thy salvation and sustain me with a willing uh, spirit. Then I will teach transgressors thy ways and sinners will be converted today no repentance no soul winning steeped in sin you're useless to god unrepentant no change of mind will and emotion that produces a change in conduct it is the cessation of the love and practice of sin that's repentance if we don't repent and turn from the evil and turn back to God, there won't be any soul winning. Why would you be caring about somebody else in sin that is lost whenever you are in steeped in habitual practice sin and you're lost? David came to grips with that and he understood that he came out the backside of that. I want you to turn to Psalm 126. <coughs> I think this illustrates exactly what I'm talking about. The time frame is 600 BC. Israel, see the context is everything. The context to any, see, I I, want to know more than just what the verse says. See, we can take our craft scissors and we can carve out verse five of the last chapter and we can make it say anything we want. But I want to know what the mind of God says. I, I wanna know, I wanna know what was in his mind when he inspired, I think King David wrote this one. He didn't write them all. I'm not really sure, but, but whoever wrote it, they wrote it through inspiration. I want to know what God was thinking. I want to know what the context was in Psalm 126. And I hope that's why you invited me. When the Lord brought back the captive ones of Zion. Now we've got to pour ourselves into that psalm. We, we, we have to imagine being in captivity, which we all were spiritually. We have to to imagine being in physical captivity for 60 years when your total freedom was wiped out. And and you, 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 you you couldn't just walk or run or skip or hop in some direction that somebody wasn't directing you. What you ate was dictated to you. Where you slept was dictated to you. Where you lived was dictated to you. And you were under... A yoke of slavery. And they were brought back, these captive ones, after 60, after 60 years. We were like those who dream. I dreamt about preaching at Monrovia Christian Church. I know what dreams are all about. And I, I dreamt whenever I was a kid a lot about Kennywood Park. Uh, Got their attention up here. Se- several of them were dozing off there, right. <clears throat> and and, and uh, you know, I it, it took the old jerk water, B and O steamer down here to Kennywood. Oh, what a day that was! I know what dreams are all about. I dreamt about being saved, and then I was. Then our mouth was filled with laughter, and our tongue. With joyful shouting. And then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. And the Lord has done great things for us. And we're glad. Restore our captivity is is erroneous. Uh, Restore the joy of being released from our captivity would be better. O Lord, as the streams of the Negev are the south. Those who sow in tears shall reap with joyful shouting, and he who goes to and fro weeping, carrying his bag of seed, shall indeed come again with a shout of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. Bringing in the sheaves, bringing in the sheaves. Can you play that afterwards? Covey, can you do that? Okay, if, if not, that's okay. Okay. So what in the world's that all about? Why in the world are they so joy filled, and why are they laughing and then crying? Because the Babylonians, and you can you can research this like I did. The Babylonians gave them, gave each and every Hebrew family a bag of seed to sustain their family. And the head of the family had the bag. And when they went back home, the head of the family gathered the family around. And he said, we can have bean soup tonight. I don't know what kind of seed. I'm just making this up. <laughs> we, 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 can, we can have a delicious, hearty meal tonight if we boil these seeds and make bean soup or whatever it was. And then tomorrow night... We'll be hungry, and at the end of the week, we'll be starving. Or we can plant the seeds in a garden and nurture them, pray for the spring rain and the fall rains, cultivate, fertilize, and grow these seeds into stalks. And we can have a harvest, and that harvest will sustain us for months and months and months. Well, the decision's not hard to make, is it? And so whenever they went out with their wooden hand plow, hoe is all it was, and they would cut a furrow, and the boys are throwing those seeds in that furrow, and they're covering them over, and they're weeping because they're covering up supper they're covering up dinner here goes lunch there won't be any breakfast tomorrow and so they're weeping as they're sowing the seeds bold but the harvest there's laughter there's joy because they've watched the plants grow and now we can put the sickle in And we can cut out the harvest to sustain our life. I didn't really know the full implications of Psalm 126 until I had, and some of you may have attended that meeting that I had years and years ago in the 70s. The only two-week meeting that I ever had, ever. And uh, it was in Hyman, PA. We'd baptized, I think, 14 or 16 into Christ that week. And whenever I went back up there uh, to speak again 14 or 15 years later, most of those were still in Christ. And my son-in-law, Corky Tempest, I never did understand why they called him Corky. Corky. You remember Corky? But he tried to live up to the name, all right? He was Corky. And we made a coffin. We made a coffin. Do you remember that? And, and, and uh, I can't say his name. His dad was in the awning business and we lined it with that awning material. And, uh, and, and we took it up to Heinemann because they had a brand new church building built on a sawmill site. I mean, right on a sawmill site. Were you there? There you are. Beautiful building. White pine inside, white pine outside. Beautiful building. No baptistry. No men's room, no women's room, it's just, a, just a shell, but it was a pretty nice size shell. And in the basement, they had the running water from a spring. And, if, and we, filled that, we filled that coffin up, if you will, made a baptistry makeshift baptistry And if you step in there, your kneecaps would fall off. That's how cold that water was. <clears throat> and we baptized, I think, two every single evening. They came out of the woodwork. Pentecostals came to the meeting. We had a great big time, and uh, the preacher Buck Ryan, he said, he said, "There's a, 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 a hostel Road by the Hassel Road that, that lives down the road, and he he won't come to the services. He he's never been here. Harry Hossel Road was his not, was his name. His wife name wife's name was Daisy." And her sister lived with them, and she was Aunt Icky. So we're in, the, we're in the Pennsylvania mountains. We got Aunt Icky, we got Daisy, and we got Harry Road in the Biv Overhalls. And I stopped in to see him. I had a sport coat on, and he had a conveyor. And I don't know what he was moving. And, and it got stuck in the mud, and he couldn't lift it. He was, he was as old as I was then. And, and uh, he was at least 80 years old. So I helped him, and I got all greasy helping him. And uh, and he was laughing the whole time, and I didn't know why until he told me. He said, I never saw a preacher work before. <laughs> <laughs> Okie doke. And, and, and he meant it. And, and so we, we moved the conveyor into wherever it was, to the area that he needed. And I said, Harry, I said, would you do me a personal favor? Since I did you one, he said, yeah, he said, you, you name it and, and you've got it. And, and so I, I said, will you come to the revival up the hauler, up the hauler tonight? He said, I'll be there. So I went, I went running back to the farmhouse, old Pennsylvania farmhouse, knocked on the door, and Daisy answered the door. And I said, Harry's coming to revive that liar that, that he'll never be there. And 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 Ann Eakey in the background, he's lying to you, preacher. He'll never show up. You'll never see Harry up in that church building. <clears throat> because they'd worked on him. For decades they worked on Harry Hossel Road. Well, that night he had a Jeep. Remember the old Jeep, the old, old 1950 Jeep panel wagons, whatever they call them that's what he had and and it didn't have a muffler or it had a bad one you could hear him coming a mile away and and we'd already started and and they'd already struck up the band and and we were in heavy duty worship and here comes harry i mean to tell you his bumper touched the porch steps and he stepped out and hay seeds flew everywhere he's in his bib overhauls, and he tramped right you could have heard a pin drop in that car Harry Hossleroad's here. Hossleroad's here. He actually, he showed up. He, he, there he, and he went right up and sat right beside Ann and Daisy. And I smiled like a red fox eating yellow jackets. <laughs> <clears throat> Preached my heart out, mainly at him. And they struck up the band, and we started to sing the invitation, and Harry first went on his feet. Stepped out of the aisle, and I went like that. He turned his back and walked right back to the Jeep. <laughs> <laughs> he got in the Jeep, fired up, put, 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 put. And Andy, he said, I told you. So. I said, you didn't tell me that. You told me you'd never show up. He's not interested. He's just returning a favor or something. So I stopped at Harry's the next evening before... The service has started. He was just coming off his 1938 John Deere tractor, brown as a berry, and looked like he worked 40 hours in one day. I said, Harry, you look absolutely beat. You look absolutely exhausted. I said, that sun is really hot. He said, it's not the sun. I said, that work is tiresome. It's not the work. I said, Harry, then what is it? He said, this is that person that you were talking about last night. And I was going to make him say it. I said, which person was that? He said, preacher, you know which person. I said, you tell me. He said, Jesus. I can't get him off my mind. Every single pass I made into corn today, whatever he was doing, cultivating, It was Jesus, 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 Jesus. He said, preacher, I'm a lost turkey. He said, if I die right now, fall off that tractor, he said, I'd go straight to hell. And I didn't even have to say you would. Oh, I'm glad. I said, are you coming tonight? He said, I'll be there with bells on. Well, he did lie about that because there wasn't any bells that I saw. <laughs> that night, oh, I stopped and told Aniki and Daisy, he's lying again. So they came, places packed, I mean packed, and they struck up the band and we were worshiping Jesus big time. And I heard a put, 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 put. And I think this time he actually touched. The first row of steps with the bumper of the jeep, and he bailed out, and he came right through the front door, hay seeds flying everywhere. Bib overalls. Come right up and sat beside Daisy and Annie. I was glad to see him. I think they were too. Everybody was. Harry's here. Second time. Miracle. (laughs) Harry came. Do you see Harry? Harry's here. When we sang the invitation hymn, the pianist didn't even get the first note. And Harry's out of that pew. I put forth my hand, and he put his in mine. And I asked him if he believed that Jesus was the Christ, the son of the living God. He said, you know what, preacher, I've believed that for years. I've just been a stubborn, bullheaded German or whatever he said he was. My wife wouldn't want to hear that. She's German. (laughs) And and I said, I'm going to baptize you for the remission of sins to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He said, let's get to it. And so we went to the basement, and it's the 14th day of the revival. Were you there? And Harry took his bibs off, took his shirt off, and he's in his red long johns standing in front of the congregation. Can you be saved in red long johns? And that water is still frigid. And old Harry jumped in there and sat right down. Never shook, nothing. And Buck lowered him in that grave for the forgiveness of his sins and raised him up in the likeness of Christ's resurrection. And I looked over and Ann And Daisy were hugging their New Testaments, their black back Bibles. They were hugging them, and they were crying. And the tears were running down their cheeks and dripping on the floor. I never saw two grown women cry like that in all my life. They came rejoicing, bringing in the sheaves. All the time, the decades, Of Bible verses and nudges and innuendos to Harry, all those years that they lived with him. And finally, Harry's thick skull was broken by the Word of God, and that whole church rejoiced. And the preacher who would work. And listen, yes, and listen, Harry never missed a service, I was told. Till the day he died. Wednesday, Sunday morning, Sunday night, you could count on Harry. His jeep would bother you, and and him crashing into the building every night. But Harry was there. That's what Buck told me. And and he finally passed because he was old. Whenever I baptized him, up till that time, he was probably the oldest man that I'd ever immersed into Christ. The joy of soul winning. If you've got a personal ongoing practiced habitual sin in your life you're going to be almost useless. Harry Hostel road will never pass your way. You away. He might pass your way but you won't seek him. You won't recognize him, you won't want him in the kingdom if you're on the fringes right now. So I'm just calling for general repentance. I just ask for you to turn from your sins and turn back to God. If you've never confessed Jesus publicly, he said, the Lord said, unless you, if, if, if you confess me before men, then and then only, I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. Unless you believe that I am he, unless you believe that Jesus is God, you'll die in your sins. Unless you repent, you'll all likewise perish. Jesus said, he that believes and is immersed shall be saved, and he who disbelieves shall be condemned. Jesus said all that. So there's your plan of salvation, and we're just offering that to you tonight as we stand and sing.